Welcome to our weekly podcast. We're in week two of our series, Summer in the Psalms. Throughout the month of July, we're spending some intentional time as a church family in the second book of Psalms, which is made up of Psalms 42 through 72. For more information about why the Psalms are divided into five different books, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. I've also included a devotional reading guide in the bulletin this week. You can access that online if you're watching our online service. If you read one psalm each week, you'll have read through the second book of Psalms by the time we finish our series. Today, we're going to continue our series by looking at Psalm 46. If you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to follow along as I read aloud. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Psalm 46 is one of 11 psalms that were written by the sons of Korah. We learned last week that the sons of Korah were temple musicians and assistants by trade. They were worship leaders. It's only fitting that this particular psalm is believed to have been the inspiration behind Martin Luther's famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This psalm, from beginning to end, highlights how God is sovereign over his creation and how his presence provides a refuge for his people, giving us the strength that we need to live for him, even when life circumstances are not ideal. While most people view Psalm 46 as a hymn of praise, technically that's how it's classified, I think it's better to think of it as a hymn of confidence. It's a reminder about how God is our refuge and strength how he's the true source of joy in our lives. Now he's a personal God. He loves and cares for every single one of us. He desires for us to know him and to live for him. While many people have speculated about the setting in which this particular psalm was written, so for example, the majority of commentators believe it was written in response to God delivering his people from an Assyrian invasion during the time of King Hezekiah, and this was around 701 B.C., So while this is the consensus, there's really no way for us to know for sure. In fact, this psalm praises God as much for protecting his people from things like catastrophic natural forces, earthquakes, tidal waves, mountains crumbling into the seas, as it does for God protecting his people from their enemies. The real emphasis of Psalm 46 is on the presence of God in the lives of his people and the difference it makes when we choose to trust him in the changes and difficulties of life. And that's why I've entitled today's message, God's Answer for the Troubled Life. 
In the New Testament book of John, chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Today, I want to share three important truths that we all need to remember during times of trial, trouble, and sorrow. We're going to break Psalm 46 up into three parts so that we can learn about each of these truths individually, what they teach us about God, and how they can help us live for him during difficult seasons. So the first truth, if you're taking notes, is that God is our refuge and strength. The psalmist wrote about this in the first three verses. God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. So here we learn that God is our refuge, our strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. That word refuge is best translated as shelter or a fortress. The psalmist is reminding his readers that God is a dependable refuge for his people when everything around them seems to be falling apart. It's important to understand that this isn't a pampering kind of protection. God doesn't keep us from having to experience trials and sorrows. Remember, Jesus said here on earth, you will experience these things. So it's not a matter of if, but when. And the truth, the reality is that God promises to walk with us through those times. Commenting on these three verses, Warren Wiersbe wrote that God shelters us so that he can strengthen us to go back to life and its duties and dangers. God's goal for our lives is not that we won't ever experience difficult times, that we won't ever experience troubles. His goal is that we would become more like Jesus. So he walks with us through those difficult seasons. He is our refuge and our strength. But as our refuge, he doesn't keep us from them. He fills us back up. He gives us the spiritual nourishment that we need so that we can once again live for him. In times of crisis, God's people have consistently made a habit out of turning to others for help, specifically other nations, instead of relying on God's protection, his strength, and his provision. If this psalm was in fact written in response to God protecting Jerusalem from a Syrian invasion, we know from Scripture that God's people chose to not look to God for help, but instead they built alliances with other nations as their first line of defense. Here's what the prophet Isaiah had to say about this exact situation in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you've gone down to Egypt for help. You've put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You've tried to hide in his shade. In times of crisis, the Jewish religious leaders were prone to turn to others for help when they should have encouraged the people to turn their attention to God. A consistent truth throughout the Bible is that God is our refuge and our strength. He's our shelter, our rock, and our stronghold. The only one who can provide the kind of help that we need. He's the only one who's consistent in providing this kind of help. The psalmist reminds us about how God is always ready to help in times of trouble. But a more accurate translation would read that God is a well-proved help in times of trouble. 
He's a well-proved help. That means that he's been faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the present, and he'll continue to be faithful in the future. For the church today, I believe that we should look to the cross as God's proof that he's our refuge and strength. In his willingness to go to the cross, Jesus entered into our pain and our trouble. Instead of being immune from these things, he chose to suffer with us and for us. Jesus didn't just bear your sins on the cross. He also bore your guilt, your shame, your hurt, your habits, your hang-ups. In his commentary on Psalm 46, Matt Stafford, who serves at Ozark Christian College as their professor of worship and psalms, he wrote these words, Because of what Jesus endured on the cross, we don't have to doubt God's presence in the darkest of times and the greatest seasons of pain. He is our very present help. Emmanuel, God with us, is his name. So friends, because God is our refuge and strength, a well-proved help in times of trouble, we don't have to be afraid when troubles come. The psalmist described the absolute worst possible scenario. He wrote about earthquakes, tidal waves, mountains crumbling into the sea, and war. If these kinds of things were to happen today, life as we currently know it would drastically change for the worst. Yet even a scenario like this is not enough to change the truth that God is with his people. He is our refuge and our strength. Earthquakes, floods, other natural disasters, or war are not enough to move us from the presence of God and his help. This is a truth that ultimately requires a response from us. If God has promised to be our refuge and strength, a well-proved help in times of trouble, the question becomes, do we trust him? Do you trust him? It's been said that what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. I don't know what's taking up space in your mind and in your heart today. I don't know what's causing you to fear and doubt God's presence in your life, but I think it's safe to say that it's not as catastrophic as a world-changing event like a major earthquake or World War III. On the other hand, maybe that is what's taking up space in your mind. But the reality is our daily troubles and fears are not too much for God to handle. If God is with us through the worst possible things, things like what the psalmist wrote about, then surely he'll be with us through the everyday things. I want to encourage you to trust the promise that God is with you in the most real way possible, regardless of what you go through. God is our refuge and our strength. The second truth that I'd like to talk about today is that God is our true source of joy. He's our true source of joy. The psalmist wrote about this in Psalm 46, verses 4 through 7. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos, and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us, and the God of Israel is our fortress. So even though our world is in chaos, and your world individually may be in shambles, the Bible tells us there's a river that brings joy. If you keep your eyes focused on that river, if we drink from that river, find our nourishment in that river, we're going to experience a kind of joy that only God can give. It's interesting that the psalmist wrote about a river that brings joy to the city of God or Jerusalem because Jerusalem didn't have a natural river flowing through it. Water was a precious commodity in Jerusalem. 
In fact, it was one of the few ancient cities that wasn't built on a river. In his wisdom, King Hezekiah decided to build an underground water system that connected a natural spring to the pool of Siloam inside the city walls. And this made physical water more readily available to the people. But Jerusalem still didn't have a river. Because of this, we have to assume that the writer was describing God as the river that brings nourishment and life. Only God was the true source of the city's life, and only he could defend its people. Those who find their refuge in God also experience the joy of God. The prophet Isaiah once compared an Assyrian invasion to an overwhelming river, but he reminded God's people that God was like a quiet river, that he would bring joy and peace into their lives. You can read about this in Isaiah chapter 8. Anytime God's people turned to a pagan nation for help in the Bible, they ended up in worse trouble. But anytime they chose to turn to God, they experienced joy and peace in their lives. And this serves as a reminder for us today that regardless of what we go through, we can always turn to God. We can always experience his joy and his peace. He's the true source of joy in our lives. He's the river that brings spiritual nourishment. I've served God in vocational ministry for about 15 years now. And I can tell you from personal experience that I'm not exempt from fear or spiritual malnourishment in my life. In fact, I would argue that pastors are more susceptible to these things. There have been seasons when I felt disconnected from God. I felt like I was trying to pour from an empty cup. When a church member comes to me and says something like, I feel disconnected from God. I don't feel like I'm growing in my faith, or I'm going through a really difficult season, and I just don't know if God is with me. I usually ask them three questions. One, are you spending time with God through his word? Remember what Hebrews 4 verse 12 says. It reminds us that God's word is alive and active. We need to connect with God through his word on a daily basis. The second question I ask is this. Are you spending time with God through prayer? Friends, prayer is simply communicating with God. You can talk with God like he's sitting right next to you. Prayer is an important part of our relationship with God. The third question that I ask is this. Are you spending time with other believers on a regular basis? Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The reality is we need other Christians in our lives. When I've gone through seasons where I felt disconnected from God, if I'm not growing in my faith or if I'm having a difficult time trusting the presence and provision of God in my life, I've had to ask myself these exact questions. And what I've found is that I'm usually not doing one or more of them. As a result, I have a lack of joy in my life. I feel overwhelmed with fear. And I'm left trying to lead my family and my church family from an empty cup. And friends, this has never worked. It's not until I go to the source that I'm filled back up again. If I don't rely on God for nourishment in all areas of my life, and if I don't surround myself with other believers, I end up looking elsewhere for these things. And I'm always left longing for more, and not in the right kind of way. An important truth that we need to be reminded about today is this. God is our true source of joy. But to experience his joy, we need to stay connected to him and his people. He alone is the river that brings spiritual nourishment and joy into our lives. So no matter what the circumstances are, there's always an open invitation to come and drink. There's always an open invitation to be filled up so that you can be sent back out again. God is our true source of joy. The third truth is this. Relax. 
and know that God is God. The psalmist wrote about this in verses 8 through 11. He says, Come and see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. So this truth is actually an invitation. It's an invitation to come and see who God really is and what he's done on our behalf. Come and see the glorious works of the Lord. The destruction that God brings upon the world that the psalmist wrote about, it sounds a little frightening, but it's talking about his righteous judgment against individuals and nations who've chosen to turn away from him. You know, the truth is that God is a loving and patient God. The Bible tells us that he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to turn to him through faith in Jesus. But God is also a just God. That means that he's consistent, fair, and right in all that he does. Whatever he does, whether it's causing wars to end or leading his people to victory over their enemies, it's always done for his glory and for the good of his people. Part of God's answer for the troubled life is to come and see who he is, to see what he's done. This reminds me of Jesus' invitation to his first two disciples, Andrew and John. And we read about this in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. It says, The following day, John the Baptist was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And then Jesus gave them this invitation. He says, come and see. Come and see has been God's invitation to people throughout history. It's an invitation to simply show up, to ask questions, to learn, and to remember what God has done. It's an invitation for the person who's going through a difficult season, and it's an invitation for the spiritual seeker who doesn't yet know and follow Jesus. When we take time to come and see, to remember who God is and what he's done in our lives, we don't have to get so worked up about the trials and troubles that we experience. The invitation to come and see also leads to a command. Be still and know that I am God. The phrase be still literally means take your hands off, relax. You know, we like to be hands-on people who try and dictate and manage our own lives. Times of trouble can be a reminder to us to take our hands off and to relax. We need to relax and know that God is God. He is who he says he is. Until this point, we've only heard the voice of the psalmist, you know, speaking truth about God's presence in the lives of his people. But in verse 10, we hear God's voice. God says, be still and know that I am God. The word know is used to indicate knowledge through personal experience. We don't just know that God is ever-present. We don't just know that he's faithful in our lives because we've read about it somewhere. We know that he's ever-present and faithful because we've experienced this in our own lives. When the world seems to be falling apart and your world individually is in shambles, you can remember that God is still God. He's our refuge and strength, a well-proved help in times of trouble. He's our true source of joy. We can relax and know that he is still in control. We live in a time when more people turn to fear rather than faith. You know, we're always hearing about wars and rumors of wars. There's division in our country like I've never seen in my lifetime. And people are boldly living in direct opposition to God's word. 
Even though the majority of people are choosing fear over faith, friends, we can choose faith. When we believe the truths that are found in Psalm 46, we can respond in times of trouble by saying, I will not fear. I will trust God. I will relax and know that he is God. With his dying breath, English pastor John Wesley spoke these words. He said, the best of all is God is with us. The emphasis of Psalm 46 is on the presence of God in our lives and the difference that it makes when we choose to trust him in the changes and the difficulties of life. Today, we can be reminded that God is our refuge and our strength. He's our true source of joy and we can relax because he is still on the throne.